All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. Thank you for bringing me here, able to preach today in this place. I pray, O oh Lord, that you give me the strength, the boldness, and clarity of mind and of spirit, O oh Lord, so I can speak your word and can also be hearers and not just doers of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm honored to be here. Um, it's, it's wonderful visiting and preaching here. My family and I, we appreciate all the comfort and uh, that you've given us. Uh, it feels like home, home away from home, I'll say that. And as for my family, I want to introduce them. <laughs> my name, Obina Ofoebo, my wife, Chanello. My first daughter, she's 11, Adana. Uh, my first son, he's 9, Jadobi. Uh, my, uh, my following children, uh, Chisom, she's my daughter, she's 5. Kelechi, he's 3. And my last son, Akuna, he's 1. He'll be 2 very soon, though. Uh, so that's my family. And I'm going to test you with your names after this. <laughs> All right, it's, it's wonderful visiting Chicago. I've been to Chicago, not visit, I mean, it's wonderful coming here. But I've been to Chicago about 16 or 17 years ago when I was way younger. I just stayed for like a day or so. But now I can say I visited Illinois because Chicago is a false representation of Illinois, right? <laughs> you know, coming from the East Coast is a change of pace. I tell you that it's really calm, it's quiet. Now I have another spot to go to when I just want to escape all the hustle and bustle. And um, I, I really loved it, you know, going soul winning. My wife told me when we're coming in, driving in from the airport midway, she said, so how did they do soul winning here? Because the houses were like one mile apart. It's like you get in your car, you stop by. <laughs> so it was wonderful. We went soul winning in a small town and, you know, we didn't have to get in the car every time. <laughs> All right, I want to thank uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor McMurtry and his family. Uh, they've, been, they've been great to me, Pastor McMurtry especially. Uh, he's been a help to my ministry. He's been a help to my life personally. And, um, and my family, we love his family. It's like a home away from home, I said already. My son, when we were coming back from visiting him yesterday, he said, when are we going back to visit our cousins? <laughs> oh, yeah, so out of the mouth of babes, right? And succulents. All right, by the way, my church, they send their greetings also. Uh, so, anyway, let's look at Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, our Bible reading. I start there from verse 6, Acts chapter 3, verse 6. The Bible says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, and he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for arms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. The title of my sermon this morning is, The Beautiful Gate. The Beautiful Gate. The story of the beautiful gate is also a picture of salvation. It's a beautiful allegory, and pun intended by that. It's so beautiful. You know, salvation is a wonderful gift, and it's perfect. Uh, this certain lame man was carried every day to the beautiful gate. Every single day, he was carried there to ask of alms. So, we're looking at an allegory here. So, just follow me as, I, as we break this down. He was looking for salvation. Now, albeit, he was looking for physical salvation, you know, to save him every day. He needs food to eat, 
you know, he needs raiment. So he was looking for his daily bread. God created man with an innate desire to worship. Hence, God commands that we should put no God before him. Right? Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Because man has this innate need or desire. Just want to worship something. And those that say there is no God, is a fool says in his heart that there is no God, they're basically worshipping themselves. Or worse, they're worshipping science. <laughs> so, they're worshipping themselves. We have an innate desire to worship. So, that is innate in, in us. Uh, people are seeking salvation right now. People are seeking salvation, whether it's physical salvation, whether it's spiritual salvation. People seek that. And they've been deceived and blinded. More like maimed. Because we're looking at the lame man who was lame from his birth. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 13, the Bible says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. So what are they doing? What are the false prophets doing? What are the deceivers doing? Maiming those that are entering. Maiming, that's cutting off their legs, giving them no access, making them twice dead. Right? So they are maiming those that are entering in. And these, all these false religions, you know, it's another gospel, but not another, but there will be some that perverts the gospel. So they, they twist it, they, they change it. They are claiming that there is another path to God. Another path. A path to God. Not the path, a path to God. But there is only one path to God. Right? Jesus Christ is the only path to God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except by me. So now, the people on those paths, right? They are asking for and collecting arms. That's what they are doing. At the beautiful gate there, they are asking for arms. They are asking for salvation for today. What do I mean? When they listen to sermons, when they listen to these false preachers, they get their high for the day. Oh wow, the service was wonderful. Oh, now I feel, you know, great. Monday comes, the next day comes, they are back to what they were before. They need it every day. They need that earthly sensuality. So that is the deception that is happening out there. That's what the false preachers are doing. Motivational speeches inspired from the Bible. You know, and it sounds good. The Bible, you can get any great topic or any great uh, motivational uh, talk from the Bible. Even the movies of today, any great movie or great story that is of the world is perverted from the Bible. If it's not from the Bible, then it's just a lame movie. But when it perverts the Bible movie, uh, the Bible stories, then it's a great movie. The whole world wants to watch it, but it's a perverted story of the Bible. So that's what we see out there. This man was carried there by people. So what is this showing us? He was dropped off daily by the beautiful gate and given arms. No one can be saved by the flesh. Open to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I read from verse 17. As you open there, let me remind you of John chapter 1 verse 12. The Bible says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood. So it's not about who's your daddy. Right? Nor of the will of the flesh. So it's not about how much you want it. Oh yeah, you know, I just, I just want it so much, I, I'm sick. No, it's not about how much you want it, or you, you ask for arms so seriously, right? Nor of the will of man, so no matter how much people want it for you, but of God, right? It is of God. So the wisdom of man is not the way. People were dropping him, we're looking at an allegory here, right? The beautiful gate story. People were dropping him off, his family members, or his friends, or... They were dropping him off at the gate every time, looking for arms, every day. The Bible says daily at the beautiful gate. So it's not the wisdom of men that gets you salvation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words. That is, it's not of my flesh, it's not of my will. It's not of how smart I am. That's what Paul is saying. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. 
For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now, this verse is an anchor verse for me, but I'll get to it later. It's very significant and personal to me. But let's move on. Verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Had not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? It is wise to leave him at the beautiful gate. Because there's a lot of traffic. People are going in the temple and coming out of the temple every time. So it's a very wise thing to do. But his situation was not going to change. Right? His salvation was not in arms that he receives every day. He will always thirst again. Every time he comes to that gate, the next day he's thirsting. The next day he's thirsting. So, he always thirsts again. So, he had to return every day. Uh, verse 21, back to our reading. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So, picture the foolishness of preaching. Silver and gold have I known. Like, okay, so why, why are you talking to me? <laughs> it's foolish. I'm asking for arms. Why are you telling me you don't have silver and gold? So, how are you going to help me? Right? It's the foolishness of preaching. It appears foolish to the man when he's looking at it. I'm here asking for arms. Right? Verse 22. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. So he was expecting something. I was expecting silver and gold. I'm expecting arms that you give me to help me. Verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So what did he get? The power of God. What did he get? Jesus healing him, giving him what he would not thirst again for. Right? So, the same thing, the same principle is said in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'll read from verse 1, the same point. But I'll just read through it. It says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you. That means I determined I had no silver and gold. Right? And I'm not to use my wisdom, not to use my my flesh to save you. Right? Not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the power of God. And I was with you in witness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech... And my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power that your faith should stand in the should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, how about the friends of that lame man that went through the roof to visit Jesus? Right, the, the man with palsy that he could not walk. So the friends went through the roof. You say, oh, but I, I, they are using the wisdom of men. No, Jesus, Bible says that, and God saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. So we're going by faith. It was not just wisdom of men. Now the guy's dropping him off every day at the temple, at the beautiful gate. It was just to get arms. I mean, his case is done. He was born lame. How will he get healed? So they're giving up and him is just asking for salvation every day and thirsting every day. So let's go back to that guy. Acts chapter 3. This certain man, lame from birth. What does this picture? It pictures sin in mankind. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter 5 verse 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Open to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 verse 9. Yes, all babies go to heaven. I understand that. Even, but understand that babies are with sin. It's, why they go to heaven is because the sin is not counted against them. They don't have understanding. They've not come to have the understanding of knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, right? So it's a rod of correction that drives me far from him. So you have to start early, start betimes, right? So there is only one way to be saved. 
And that is through the belief on the name of Jesus. No physician, that is no doctor, could make him whole. Only the power of God. As I said, he gave up on him. The man, remember the man that was born blind in John chapter 9? He, he was telling the Pharisees, he told them, is, have you heard anywhere where someone born blind received the sight? It was impossible. There's only one way to be saved. And that's by the power of God. That's by God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 verse 9, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he's made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him that this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given, upon, given among men, whereby we must be saved. So, because like this certain man, lame from birth, sin nature has been passed unto mankind from birth, we have all sinned. There is none righteous. There is none that is good. You know, except the rich young ruler. Right? He's been, he has kept all the commandments from his youth. No, that was a lie. He was just lying there. In John chapter 5 verse 24, Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but check this, has been passed from death unto life. So we're on the path to death, right? Then passed unto life, because that is man's nature. We're born lame. We cannot walk. It's only by the power of God that we go to life, that we, that, that we are saved. Bible says in John 8, 24 also, I said, I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. So it's not because we don't preach to them that they go to hell. It's not because they didn't hear Jesus that they go to hell. It's because they're already on their way to hell. They're already condemned. They're already lame. They need the power of God to be saved. So he was asking for arms. Open to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 verse 13. He was asking for arms. Uh, he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. That's what the Bible says. See, the unbeliever being preached to is expectant. He, he doesn't know what is going to happen, right? He's like, okay, so what's going to happen? You're preaching to me at my door. You're talking to me about the gospel. You know, I've heard something like this before, but, you know. But he cannot comprehend the miracle, the regeneration that is about to happen. He has been walking on his salvation for a while, probably listening to false prophets, doing good works, and it appeared to see him through each day. You know, at the end of the day, he repents of his sins. Oh, yes, I haven't gone to confession yet. Oh, I'll just pray. Oh, I'll never do such a thing like that. So every day, you know, he sees him through each day, every time. So that's what this guy was doing. Every day at the gate, he sees him through. He's just getting arms every time. So he was asking for arms, but he was never satisfied because it was not the real thing. The Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Flip. John 6, 27. John 6, 27. The Bible says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth. This guy was laboring every day. Asking for arms. But for the meat. Back to my reading. But for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Jump to verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, which is... which sorry, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from hev- heaven, and giveth life unto the world... 
Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on, him, on me shall never thirst. So the only way for this man to stop coming at the, uh, at the beautiful gate and stop asking for arms is for him to be saved. He was looking for physical salvation. He was looking to be saved every day. But Peter and John gave him salvation for him to walk out his own salvation. With fear and trembling. Because he has his own walk. Let him go to job. Go. He wants physical salvation, then go and walk for it. Right? And now he's been given even more than that. He had spiritual salvation. So he was healed completely. Now, Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. Open to Psalm 49. Psalm 49 verse 6. Silver and gold have I none. Just as man's wisdom is not the way, wealth also is not the way. The things of this world is not the way. Material things, mammon, is not the way. In Psalm 49 verse 6, the Bible says, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches... None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and he sees it forever, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. So no matter how much money you have, no matter how much material possessions that you have, you cannot even save your brother. You cannot save any. So you give them alms, you give him alms, you're not saving them. <laughs> so he was asking for alms, he was asking for physical salvation, but what God gives us, is more than that. It's spiritual salvation. What Peter and John gave him was eternal life. As believers, we know what unbelievers need. Right? But we sh- and we should give them what they don't know that they need. Because at the door, they don't see you knock on the door and they're like, oh, just give me the gospel. Oh, yeah, from this, you're from Liberty Baptist. I need the gospel right now. No, they don't know what they need. <laughs> In fact, they think they have what you're giving them. Right? Because they have, the, they have the money, they have physical salvation, they are fine, they are in their house, they have heat. So, it's like teaching them to fish uh, instead of giving them fish. So, when unbelievers are asking about spiritual things, when they're asking, how do you get your children to be so well behaved? I want my children to be like that. Or, they never see you angry. You're like, how do you have so much peace that passes it all understanding? That is the time to give them the gospel. That is the time to tell them, it's not about the physical, it's about the spiritual, it's about the right foundation. Right, so it, that is your cue. Like Peter and John, they came there, they saw the guy who was in need. That was his, their cue. He said, "Silver and gold have I not, but what I have, I'll give you." So um, it, it should not be robotic, though. It's not like, "Oh, how are your children find, uh, how are your children this good, or why are you this great?" And you're like, <laughs> you just go straight. Into the, uh, you go straight. You're 100 percent sure if you die today, you go to heaven. Like, <laughs> You have a conversation with them, and I, I preach something about that. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto, unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That's why I'm saying you should give them the gospel, because these things are spiritual. We're using spiritual applications or spiritual principles to raise our family, to live our lives, to make our standards. Just giving it unto the natural man is not going to receive it. <laughs> oh, I spank my children. Really? <laughs> that, doesn't, that shouldn't work. That's why you have to give them the right foundation. Okay, quick recap. The beautiful gate pictures salvation, the gift of eternal life. The certain lame man represents mankind. He was born lame because all have sinned. We're all sinners. And we're all seeking salvation. But like the Ethiopian eunuch, man's wisdom cannot help him. Man's wealth cannot help him. Ethiopian eunuch, he was rich. He was in charge of all the treasures of, of, of the queen, of Candace, queen of Ethiopia. 
he was he had money. So money was not a problem. He was traveling to Jerusalem and back, you know, going to listen to false prophets, going to listen to those that are blind, looking at, at the words of God with a veil. So he was being deceived. He didn't understand the words of God. He could, he could not receive the spiritual things of God. So in Acts chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered into and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. He did not need physical therapy. Think about it. This guy got healed. See, even patients that are perfectly healthy, maybe they are in a coma, and they stay in a coma for a good period of time. When they come out, they need physical therapy to start walking again. This guy never walked. He's an old man of 40 years old. Never walked. And as soon as he was healed, he came back all the way. The Bible says he stood up walking and leaping. Pretty much everything you can do with your leg. From walking all the way to leaping. That means he ran, he leaped, everything. So he had, he was not limited in any way. That is what it means to be truly saved. That is what it means to be free. That is, that is how God saves us. I mean, it's complete, it's whole, it's all done. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, popular verse, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It was completely new for him. This regeneration in Christ, uh, it was not, oh, we transplanted a leg into him, or we transplanted this, or, or a used part. No, it was brand new. Because he was lame from his birth. So salvation is not a process. You know, it's instant. And immediately the Bible says, his feet and ankle bones receive strength. It's instant. Immediately. Uh, so no probation periods. No walking out your salvation with fear and trembling. Right? <laughs> That's why they misuse the verse. Oh, we're walking it out. So he's doing physical therapy. Right? <laughs> so he's walking. So he wants to start to be able to walk, then lead. So, because what they think by walking out your salvation of fear and trembling is that but when you die, then you have eternal life. Then God will judge if you could go to heaven or not. So he asks them, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? They're like, how would you know? Because they think you only know at the end of your life. <laughs> so they're walking out that salvation so that at the end of their life, they can get their report card. Um, yeah, you did good here. Ah, one of your children messed up. Ugh, you're going to have to miss it. <laughs> so that's what, that's what they think. And I was one of them, but I've gone ahead of myself. So, when they're working on their salvation, I think they get to eternal life, but it was instant. They got saved. They're not being, he was not being sanctified. They think, oh yeah, you're being sanctified, you're being cleansed, you know, you have to go to church, you have to stop paying your tithes, you have to start doing this and doing that, before, you know, it's, you're cleared now. Now you're in the salvation, eternal life, possible eternal life category. So, uh, that's not what salvation is, it's instant. It's either you're saved or you're not saved. No one is being saved. Who, who do you know uh, uh, that's a mother that's just giving birth to the child, still giving birth to the child, 16 year old. And you know, you're just, you're being born. <laughs> right? We're born again. So you're just being born. There's, there's labor and there's delivery. And if you're having problems with the delivery, guess what the doctor will say? C-section straight. Let's get the child out. Because at this time, it has to come out. Right? You're not just being born for the rest of your life. So, also, the man was praising God. He was praising God. He came in, he was praising God. And the praise always goes to God. Always. From the soul winner, is praising God. The person that was, that is, the soul that was won, is praising God. So praise always goes to God. For the work was done by God. Not, of the, not by blood. Not by the will of flesh. Not by the will of man. It is by God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.9, popular verse. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, 
a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So God has called us, God has saved us to praise him. And praising him is, is more than just singing songs. He's talking about him. He's talking about his wonderful works, which includes so winning. Right? So that we should shew forth the praises of him. So he started praising God. Immediately as he got saved. And what was he doing? He was running, leaping, and he was holding Peter and John. The Bible says he held onto them. Uh, this after he was walking. It's not that, oh, he held onto them to start walking. No, he was walking, leaping. Then they got into Solomon's porch. They were there in the temple. He held onto Peter and John. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. The Bible says as newborn babes, open to Ephesians 4 11, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word of God. Right? So, be ye followers of me as I also of Christ, as I follow Christ also. So follow the, the man of God. Follow the pastor as he follows Christ. In Ephesians 4 verse 11, the Bible says, He gave some, who are the some? Believers. Who are the some? The churches. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, God has given some pastors, evangelists, apostles, uh, teachers, to perfect us, to help us. Yes, we have salvation. Yes, we're free. Yes, we can walk, we can run. But this guy held on to Peter and John. Almost to Acts 11, Acts 11, 26. He held on to Peter and John. Use the tools and the gifts that God has given you to transform your life. Following the man of God. So you can learn, so you can be perfect, so that you can be edified. So we we come to the uh, fullness and the stature of, of Jesus, of Christ. Don't expect the soul winner to be chasing down the convert. Right? This guy got healed. He, he, he could have just gone anywhere, but he held on to Peter and John. He said, I'm going to go with you guys. I'm going to learn from you guys. And that, that's what it symbolizes to me. That he, he wants to learn from them. He wants to follow them. Now, they were not leaping and jumping like he was. <laughs> but he held on to them after he did leap and jump. See, I, 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 um, I don't know of any new mothers that set alarm clock in the middle of the night. Maybe they just gave birth. Two weeks ago, they set an alarm clock in the middle of the night to feed their babies. Do you know of any new mothers that do that? No, my wife didn't do that. The babies wake you up. <laughs> right? I need this milk. Yeah? So, the new converts, you get saved, you desire the sincere milk of the word of God. You go to church. You hold on and follow Peter and John. That's what you're supposed to do. So, uh, in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, the Bible says, And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church. So, what's happening? Uh, Barnabas invites Peter, uh, Paul to come to the church where, in Antioch, where Barnabas was overseen. And a whole year, the church assembled uh, themselves for a whole year and taught... M- and taught, taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So they were not missing services. They made themselves available. And they had an apostle at this time. So why would they miss? You know, he gave some apostles, right? So he had an apostle at this time, and he taught much people, and that was the first time Christians, uh, believers were called Christians in Antioch. Because they showed that they were Christ-like. Because they listen to the, the preaching of the word of God. They listen to the ways of God, the New Testament church, how, how things are supposed to be done. And people looked at them and said, these are Christ-like. These are like Christ. And they are Christ-like. They call them Christians. 
So lastly, he was recognized by the people. Now, let me be straight here. Let me be clear. A lifestyle change is not a requirement for salvation. But this, uh, this guy, when he was healed, he could have just left them. He, couldn't, he, should, he, uh, he doesn't have to go into the beautiful gate with them, like going to the temple. He could have just gone home. Oh, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm healed, I'm free, right? But he went in with them. And when he went in, the Bible says they recognized him that he was the guy at the beautiful gate. What, am I, what is the allegory here? What am I trying to show? Open to Titus chapter 2, Titus 2, 11. Titus 2, 11. As you open there, popular verse, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should work in them. So, yes, it's not of works. We're not saved by our works. But when you are saved, you're supposed to do good works. People are supposed to see your good works. That is our reasonable service, as the Bible says. In Titus 2.11, the Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation had appeared, unto, uh, had appeared to all men, teaching us. Right? So we're saved by grace through faith, right? This grace is teaching us. This is what we're supposed to do after we're saved. We're supposed to walk in His light. We're supposed to show for, uh, let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven, right? So teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly loss, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Not everyone's salvation is like the picture of the beautiful gate. Remember, this is an allegory. It's just like the, par- uh, the parable of the sword. That does not cover all scenarios of people that get saved or don't get saved. It's just a parable. It's an allegory. It's a dark saying. So, but mine was similar. My own salvation was similar. I was right there. I was there at the beautiful gate, carried every day by people, you know, following uh, one of the so-called paths to, Jesus, to, to God, you know, thinking it was Jesus Christ, you know, asking alms, being sustained for a day or a season, you know, going to conventions and going to different things, you know. I basically grew up in a church, uh, as a Pentecostal church, uh, a super powerhouse Pentecostal church based off of Nigeria. It's covered in the whole world. It's called the Redeemed Christian Church of God, RCCG. And um, while I was a child, I, we were Catholics. Then I, uh, my parents converted to Pentecostal. So I grew up as, in a Pentecostal church, did a baptism, did all the classes, everything. And I, we moved over to America. So when we came to America, I came for college, I went to college. So while I was in college, I was still working for the Pentecostal church, still working for God, still growing in the ranks, because you have to take all these classes. and class. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's a lot of work. And I remember even before then in Nigeria, when I thought I gave my life to Christ, I remember saying, I don't want to do evil things. I want to follow God. I want to walk my way to heaven. I don't want to miss heaven. And I told God at that time that I'm giving my life to you and everything I do is going to be for your glory because I want to make heaven. And so that was my testimony at the time. So I just kept dedicating myself to God. Then we moved over here to America. My dad found, uh, started a church. And uh, from the RCCG, so it's still RCCG church. So he started a church, and in 2009, he passed away. While he started the church, I was ordained a deacon in the church. I was married with two kids at the time. I was ordained a deacon and working for the church. The idea was I was going to take over the church. 
But, you know, I was kind of running away from it, to say the least. <laughs> so, but I had this call to teach, to help people. You know, I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a home fellowship teacher. You know, we have all these fellowships and stuff. And I was a teenage teacher, all of that. So I love teaching. I love helping people. But I didn't really want to be a pastor because a pastor is like a full-time job. And I, I wanted to do my own job. <laughs> but I just wanted to work for God. So uh, when my dad passed away, they were like, oh, you should be the pastor. And I'm like, no, not yet. So my mom took over at the time because she was a minister. Just follow me here, guys. <laughs> so my mom took over, and uh, you can imagine. I, I, I didn't need to go to Baptist uh, Bible College to figure out that women should not lead. I was pretty much running the church. So at that point, I mean, it was just coming to me. She was all nice. You know, women should not lead. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I don't want to go into too many details to that. Uh, so I just decided, you know, I'm going to take over the church. 2014, because he died 09, and it was for, a lot, for a while she was there, telling me I should come up. I was like, nah. So eventually I said, I'll take over in 2014. So 2014, 30 years old, I took over the church as a pastor. I was ordained as a pastor of the church. And two years went by, 2016, my mom, because I visit my mom every time, because my dad uh, wasn't around at the time, he was dead, so I used to visit her every time, I tried to. So one evening, she told me that uh, my dad believed once saved, always saved. And I was like, I, I tore her up, man. <laughs> I, I went hard on her, because I thought she was watching TBN, she got it from TBN, because she used to watch TV and she gives thousands of dollars to TV preachers. And we keep telling her not to do it, but she still does. So, uh, <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to find out who these preachers are that are deceiving my mother so I can tear them up in front of her, something like that. So I ventured into YouTube. I'm not a social media kind of person. You might have figured that out. You don't see me on social media. So, but I, I got into YouTube. That time YouTube was coming up. So I was like, who are these preachers? I don't want to sit down and watch TBN to find those preachers. So I was looking for the preachers. I went through John MacArthur, Charles Lawson. I sat on Charles Lawson for a while. He was interesting. Because I didn't used to listen to any other preachers except in my echo chamber of Redeemed Christian Church of God. So I was just in this echo chamber that salvation, uh, eternal life is an illusion. Uh, you, you, there's nothing like once saved, always saved. In fact, I asked a question when I was in Bible college. You know, once saved, always saved. Is that true? Can you not lose your salvation? And the guy told me, it's up to you. The Bible says both ways. So I was like, so which way is it? I told him, so what do you believe? He said, that is my personal belief. It's up to you to choose your personal belief. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go safe. I mean, <laughs> I'll walk my way to heaven and hey, if I make it, I make it. I'll, rather than just commit sin and think I'll go to heaven. So that's what I thought at the time. This was in Bible college. So you can scrap that. Bible college was useless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, from Charles Lawson, I came across this crazy guy. His name is Pastor Anderson. Pastor Stephen Anderson. No, I'm serious. He was crazy. You can ask my wife. I watched it. He was captivating, though. I'll tell you that. I watched him for months. This is while I was preaching. I hope you know I was a pastor <laughs> this time. So, while I was preaching, he had Bible challenging me. You know, Pentecostals. I can, if I give you a, a, a sample of my sermon... It's so nice. It's just, there's this sermon that people really love so much, and I'm digressing a lot here. This sermon people love so much, you know, the eagle versus the serpent. So I was talking about how the eagle, the eaglets, anyway, let me not digress. It's just nature. Sometimes I watch on nature, and I just put, add Bible to it, and that's a perfect sermon. People love it. The next day, they don't remember it. In fact, they're telling me, oh, that sermon you preach, can you preach it again? It was so nice. <laughs> anyway, back to my story. 
so I was listening to Pastor Anderson and he had so much Bible that it changed me as I was preaching. It changed me. I started preaching a sermon series called What Does the Bible Say? Because people didn't have a clue of what the Bible said. So this is while I was unsaved. While I was still uh, uh, pastoring, I was still preaching. I was preaching what does uh, the Bible say? Because I was listening to Pastor Anderson. And no one knew at the time. It was just me. But every time I tell my wife, this guy is crazy. Look at what he's doing. This guy is crazy. But I can't challenge him. I can't. This is nothing. Because I follow the Bible. And there was nothing I could go against him with. Uh, then uh, he preached, preached once saved, always saved. But my Bible was telling me I was being saved. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to, unto us which are being saved, New King James, I was using New King James, unto us that are being saved, so there's no way he could convince me that I was wrong. I was being saved. The Bible tells me I'm being saved. The Bible says, you know, I should walk out my salvation with fear and tremble. So I was being, that was very clear. Until I listened to his documentary series on um, New World Bible versions, then I found out that my Bible was wrong. That was a revelation. That op- so that's how that verse... So when I, when I found out my Bible was wrong, I went straight to that verse. So what does King James say on that verse? It says, saved. Boom. Yeah. Light switch just went on. My wife was there. I think I was on the bed or something. My wife was there and I was like, this crazy guy is right. <laughs> I remember that, that point. I was like, this crazy guy is right. And that's how I got saved. <laughs> that verse. I went straight to that verse. I was like, wow, the guy's sta- the guy's right. King James says, saved. So which is right? Are you being saved or are you saved? And after listening to the documentary series, I had nothing to say about that. Only KJV. So I got saved. My wife got saved. I started preaching. Oh, now I had another debacle. I'm the pastor of a church. Just got saved. What am I supposed to do? Should I just leave the church? Because I could do that. I could just leave the church. Somebody will appoint another pastor. Should I just leave the church? Or should I preach them the truth? Right? So I decided I'll preach them the truth. Because I had friends. I mean, these are... People I knew all my life. <laughs> my, my mom was there. My brother was there. Okay, anyway. And we're running about 70 at the time. So on a good day, we have about 70 people. We're growing. We're really growing. I was kind of like a hot shot back then. I was, I was a young pastor. The rest of the pastors were kind of old in this franchise. So everyone was looking up to me. People were joining our church. It was just wonderful. I, was, I could speak clearer English. Let me put it that way. <laughs> so, uh, because kind of like a cultural thing. It was like a club. Let's put it that way. Mostly Nigerians that were in the church. And I was trying to change the church. It just wasn't working. Because I didn't have the word of God. Which sees, transcends culture. Yeah. So, I, I tried to do that. But, you know, people speak the language. We have uh, other foreigners coming to the church. Whites, different, even blacks coming to the church. And they leave after two weeks. Because everyone dresses, speaks uh, Nigerian culture. Let's put it that way. So back to my story, I started preaching the, the truth in the church. I preached the gospel so much that they told me, stop preaching the gospel, you preach it a lot. They literally told me that, that you preach it a lot. But I preached it and preached it because I wanted them to understand from different ways, different angles. I was preaching the gospel. I told them the Bible is full of eternal life. Everywhere. They challenged me, I preached. This is a church where anyone can talk of. So, they, you know, I was still learning myself. I was still obeyed. So, I was transforming the church little by little. People were leaving little by little. They were calling me a dictator. They called me different names on Facebook. Fortunately, I'm not on Facebook. So, but I was, I was being told. They called me different things. I, I mean, I was a bad guy. I'm, I'm, I'm putting them out. Now, when most people left is when I changed the music. I mean, we had naked people coming up to the stage singing. So, I, I stopped that. Um, and everyone just thought I was crazy. That was singing only hymns. <laughs> so when I stopped that, pretty much most of the church left. We had to move the location to a different location because we couldn't afford the place. 
So we moved to that different location. Still, people left from that location when I changed the church to a Baptist church. So I said, we can't be known the known because I left with him. I went to preach to in a redeemed conference and they kicked me out of the stage. When I said preaching on eternal life. I have the video of it. They kicked me out. <laughs> when I was telling them about the Bible, telling them eternal life, they're like, okay, it's enough, your time is up. I mean, the guy came up and t- took the mic. <laughs> That's it. So that was when I was done. Because I was talking to them on the phone, talking to the pastors, talking, because I was a pastor too. I know what they do. It's just about money. Easy to break it down. When you talk to a pastor about salvation, he said, oh, I see you're prepared. Give me some time to prepare. I'm like, you're a pastor. Because <laughs> he had no Bible verse on what he believes. Anyway, so uh, the ch- when I changed the church to be a Baptist church, I didn't want us to be non-denom. I wanted us to re- represent something. IFB, Independent from Fundamental Baptist. That's, that was the last straw. Then my mom thought I was crazy at that time. She left. My brother, he was, he, he thought I was going too far. Yes, I think he's saved. I believe he's saved. But he's like, he can't live this life. He wants a more relaxed kind of church. You know, so he left. I had a handful of people, like five people, then my family. <laughs> From 70. So I had five people. At that point, I actually wanted to close down the church. I was like, this is not working. I have to move to Arizona or something. Uh, no, I, I was dead serious. Uh, this is not working. So I spoke to this one brother. He's, he's the one preaching in the church right now for me. Spoke to brother, real one, and his family. I told him, I'm going to leave. Uh, sorry, I'm going to break, uh, I'm going to close down the church. I'm actually going to leave Pennsylvania because I don't know what church to go to here. And he told me, just, just hold on. Just stay. We'll be with you. We'll stay with you. We'll stand strong with you. I'm telling you, that, that brother is one of the reasons Love Assembly is still Love Assembly. Because I was at the last row. It was bad. I was being cast out. It, it, it was really like, I was ready to sell our house. In fact, we still sold our house because we were in the process of selling our house. And so we just moved to a small location. I thought the church was going to be like that for like years. Because who's going to listen to this? <laughs> and the church was started growing. And we are what we are right now. And um, I've been listening to preaching. I've been growing. I never attended a Baptist church until recently. The Baptist church service. And we're a Baptist church. You can imagine that. So, as I said, Pastor Tommy Murtry had some sessions. He's been talking to me. He's been helping me. He's been a blessing to my ministry. And this is how we got to being Love Assembly. How we are. That's my testimony. Let's go back to Romans chapter 10. Let me conclude here. Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, verse 13. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That moment, someone is a beautiful gate, as you know. So that gate, interestingly, was called a beautiful gate. And the Bible says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. When you're out there soul winning, you are at the beautiful gate of somebody. The person is expecting arms. The person does not know what to expect. He's like, okay, so you're going to show me how to go to heaven. So what new thing am I supposed to do? That's what the person is thinking. What, what labor shall we walk that we may eat of this bread? You know, that we can get eternal life. So that certain man is there. He's seeking gold or silver. He's seeking mammon. Not even seeking God. He has accepted his situation that he's lame. He has, I've accepted my situation. I'm, I'm right there. I'm walking my way to heaven. I make it if I make it. You know, God is merciful. He's lame. Born lame. And the gate, which was his life at that point, was not looking so beautiful. 
But that gate is the beautiful gate. Remember the beautiful gate every time you're soul winning. Turn the person's life around. You have what it takes. You have the power of God. The, the, the seed is the word of God. The, the power of the gospel is what you have. Is what you're carrying with you. You can make him a new creature. So make his gate the beautiful gate. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us about this wonderful story of the beautiful gate. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the power of your word. I pray, O oh Lord, that you help us when we're out there soul winning to turn those places, those doors to be beautiful gates. Help us to understand that we have the power of the word. We have the seed. It's not of our flesh. It's not by the will of man. It's not by the will of, of, of flesh. It's not by blood, but it's by God. It's by your power. Help us to understand that and know the authority that we have in our words and in us being right there in front of the person. Continue to bless us. Bless this church as we go out. Uh, let us come back with our sheaves rejoicing in Jesus' name. Amen.